What's up? What's up? Uh, it seems to be working. What's up, everybody at home? It's the one and only Miss Chris. Uh, we are having technical difficulties. It seems to be a running gag part of this show. But, you know, we're trying the best we can. I'm learning every day. And I have amazing people with me that are working their ass off currently right now. I think they know. They seem to look like they know what they're doing. So I'll trust them. <laughs> Tark, are you ready? I'm ready. I can't. Yeah? You can sit. I would wait for a mile, but she's just getting water. So like I said... What's up, everybody? It's the one and only Miss Chris. You're tuning in to Ask Miss Chris on Quirk Core, Mondays at 6 per usual. Last week's episode took a turn. You guys seem to have enjoyed it, which is nice for me. I'm, I like when people enjoy what I do. I take time and whatever. However, I think the main focus of the episode itself was lost. Because I am not in the business of doing call-outs. I am not in the business of jumping on people. I'm in the business of having conversations that are concerning all of us as a community. <laughs> That are concerning all of us as a community is one thing that I do know that I did definitely wrong the first time around is not having the organizers and DJs and rivers that are with me right now. So we have Sammy right in front of me, sitting right next. We have Nick and Emma. Say hi, everybody. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Of course, always. So as I said, I wanted to do things right. And I also made sure to um, just work the behind the scenes details. Everybody at home, there's not going to be any recap. If you've seen me around the outside in these streets on last week, you know what I did. So just keep it to yourself. However, next week is going to be another recap with Omar and Tarek for the fashion episode. So that's going to be real cute. But let's just jump into the topic at hand. So the title today is The Making of a Rave, Breakdown and Transparency. So as I said... And <laughs> you're good, Amal. So as I said, anybody that wants to start, we can just dive into the discussion. Oh, and also everybody at home, if you want to call, 514-448-4013. But one thing, don't call two minutes after the sh- two minutes before the show ends, because then I have to rush you. And I don't like rushing people, because I don't like being rushed. But I will rush you if I have to leave. <laughs> so call before. Let's go. Anybody wants to start? So, yeah. Wow. Maybe a backstory, maybe? Yeah, okay, let's, I'll start, I'll start, I'll break uh, the glass. Can you just bring the mic a tiny bit closer? Yeah. There we go. Is that okay? That's better, yeah, yeah, perfect. Okay, so um, Nick and I uh, are, we're the co-organizer of Banshee, an event that took place a weekend ago Mm -hmm. in an abandoned warehouse. Yeah. Um, it's a project we've been working on for uh, two to three months yeah. uh, with a lot of people. Um, and uh, it was a mega DIY mm-hmm. <laughs> event. Of and we, we tried to communicate that as much as we could so mm-hmm. the ravers, the attendees would know... Uh, what they're getting involved in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, like after Saturday we were pretty uh, happy mm-hmm. uh, because like yes the event got shut down but uh, we were able to evacuate everyone safely yeah. um, and uh, sure uh, I don't like the cops either but they were uh, like chill they didn't uh, took our names mm-hmm. they didn't give us a fine they saw our alcohol they were just like Pack it up in the truck and uh, and leave. Yeah. Um, so we were all very very sad that a lot of people didn't get a chance to see what was inside yeah. because, like, I, I talk for myself, but I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. As in, so many people came together and created something 
magical, beautiful, um, and uh, like yes, we put the word community on it because that's how we saw it. A lot of people that are really into making the scene more alive because in Montreal we don't have uh, many yeah. access to spaces, um, s uh, like as you know, and mm -hmm. uh, like. Uh, parties get busted like all the time all the time super quickly and like yes we did a few uh, like there are a few things that we would have done differently thinking mm -hmm. about it now we can talk about it uh, I guess a bit later mm -hmm. but uh, overall we were very happy of what uh, everyone brought and uh, were like devastated that a lot of people didn't get a chance to see it yeah do you want to add anything mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that with Banshee, uh, what was like really unique and maybe like controversial about it is like on a structural level, we were doing like something very illegal, mm -hmm. but extremely ambitious. Yeah. So very expensive. Yeah, and that, yeah. I think that like at the core of the problem, uh, it was the frustration of people that didn't get in that paid like a premium price for mm -hmm. this event and it's like I think that the the biggest lesson we've learned here and like for uh, both for ourselves as like organizers but also with in terms of like on a bigger scope with like how we as a community as people as part like part of a community of like not just like business <laughs> like people but like yeah. so like we're actually trying to make good dance floors yeah rivers and, and people that enjoy music and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, nightlife. Uh, and we'd like to keep it exciting and mm -hmm. accessible but like it, it, the shutting down of the event was like uh, really the worst possible thing that could have happened and Nick and Emma made like tremendous work to avoid that from happening as much as possible. Yeah. And to be to be perfectly honest, like I've never seen such a level of organization for a rave. Yeah. Um and we were all <laughs> doing our very best to avoid the situation that ended up occurring in the end. And it was also out of our um out of your hands because you know the cops will do what the cops will do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's one thing we do know especially in this city, but I think the real, what people really, because I did the show after seeing the talk online and the questions and everything, and I feel like what people really wanted to have um, explanation is, because is, I understand that it was a community-based event in the sense that a lot of the people and the organization were part of the community. Mm -hmm. So, i.e. DJs, ravers, people that just enjoy nightlife, as we said. Mm -hmm. And it, over, yeah. like... Uh, at least a hundred volunteers so have there, collaborators. It was a big old situation, yeah. exactly. But I think what people... Maybe because I was one of the people that was maybe that misunderstood the whole thing. As in, when we all saw community being part of the ethos, if that's the word in English, ethos. Yeah. Being part of the ethos, I felt like a lot of us thought that somehow the money would be going back to people in the community or going back to structures within the community. And I think that's what a lot of people, because I've been following this whole story. You know, I'm on social media. So you guys know me. If you're listening at home, you know I'm on social media. <laughs> <laughs> As I end up on the radio, I always say being an Insta baddie will get you far. However, what people were really wondering about was, if it was for the community, what was the vision when it comes to the community itself? Like, was it just a party for people to come in, with, to come in and have fun and witness the art, the installations and everything? Or was it, like, what was the vision itself when it comes to the community? So, <clears throat> um, 
we we had used the word community uh, on the website specifically yeah. the term this is a community driven event okay. and we wrote that also as an invitation to uh, like when we first posted the event mm. for people to write to us actually fill out a form yeah. um, if they wanted to help out participate in some way yeah. and we I think in the email that I sent out I even said if you really like playing with electronics and coding and stuff like get in touch with us we've got some work for you um, so it was a community-driven event in that there were so many people who collaborated, not just by, uh, you know, lifting heavy things and uh, moving debris inside the warehouse, mm. but we we act like we basically built a venue. Yeah, um, that's how the picture is. Yeah. We like built furniture inside, uh, so that involved a lot of. Uh, work of people with skills who came and brought tools and we built things and mm-hmm. um and also artists who uh you know brought in their like created light um you know light installations and some audiovisual installations and those are the like DIY community members who we uh wanted to make sure got paid as well for all the work they were putting in okay so everybody part of the people that cuz they were volunteers and people that worked with or for you guys, basically? I wouldn't say for us. I, w- I, I really see it as a with, collaboration. Um, no, because, okay, yeah, so with you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. like they mm-hmm. contributed to the, to, to the space, mm-hmm. to what we created. Yeah. I, I really see it as a collaboration. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had two uh, what we called work days mm-hmm. um, in the like week and a half before the event where okay. we invited a group of people. Basically, it was like, come help us out and you come to the event for free Uh, and they came we gave them a tour of the whole space and then we were like okay well we gotta move all this shit right now I'm not supposed to say that on the radio oh (laughs) I've said words (laughs) this is the ask Miss Christian (laughs) (laughs) you guys can curse make yourselves comfortable and at home (laughs) but continue yeah um so yeah, we had um, some people who just came and you know basically put in a few hours and then uh, got to come to the rave later for free, mm-hmm. and we were um, then paying other people whose whose jobs we delegated to like manage the people. So we had uh, our friend who uh, managed all the volunteers because it's a lot of work yeah. communicating with like 50 people who sign up with emails and who are, you know, really flaky. Like, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'll be there at 5, but then they don't show up. So, okay, so already on that, okay, not okay. So we have, you know, someone who we were paying to, like, just manage all of the people, Mm -hmm. and then another person that we paid to manage all of the, uh, what we call security. So we had... um, Escort. So we had a meeting spot on the canal, yeah. and we had people who had to be there to, you know, manage the crowd that would form at the meeting spot. Then we had people who, uh, all all of these people were paid because they were working the night of the party, mm-hmm. um, and they all had to come a week earlier for training. We uh, mm. had all of these people come so they could see the space and understand uh, how it was going to work to bring yeah. people inside. And um, and go that, through the worst the emergency plan. We showed yeah. them the emergency exits as well, um, and yeah. So all the pe- and then we had some people working the door, and then two people that were lookouts, so that we always knew, um, you know, w- 
when the police would arrive or like mm. if the security agent came and that he was probably calling the cops. Um, so we had many, many people on this like extended team yeah. um, that we we wanted to we wanted to pay. When it comes to the um, security guard, because it was my understanding that it wasn't the first time that a rave was being thrown in that location, right? Because mm-hmm. that's another thing that really had people asking so many questions. Because I personally didn't go; I was working the next day. But <laughs> I also remember that people were telling me, based on the emails and the SMS questions and everything, that. It was a shock for some of them to just walk next to the location and see the police headquarters so close, so nearby to the actual location. But it wasn't the first time that a party was held there, mm-hmm. is my understanding. But if you feel comfortable, what happened? Was it the security? Well, no, without putting people in, you know, in hot water and stuff. So um, there was a security guard patrolling, mm-hmm. and he saw an uh, unusual amount of people nearby so decided to uh, 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 get out of his car get out of his car and Mm. he heard the generators did a little walk around the building and heard the generators and we knew that the security guard sorry at home as I said we're doing our best if you hear a little squeech get to it do a remix (laughs) follow up (laughs) go ahead Tarek my love baby you either take it off or take it on you don't need to wait sorry everybody at home just give me a sec you actually don't need the headphones, but you can hear us. Yeah, no, I wanted to take it off. Oh, okay. yeah, take but it off. Go ahead. Oh, Put it down one last time. Is there a thing? Thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> so once again, sorry, everybody at home. CKUT, this is the second week. You have me looking crazy in a good way. Please send somebody downstairs. And to the person, sorry, guys, to the person that emailed me today, thank you. And yes, you can start any time. Come and help a girl out. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> but yes, the security guard saw, um, heard the generators, which would make sense because it was a big party, so therefore a lot of uh, energy needed. Yeah. So we we knew that there was a security guard who was <clears throat> responsible for this space. He's mm-hmm. the one who goes there and checks and makes sure that people don't break in. Yeah. He knows the space very well. Um, and we knew that he passes by around once a night, mm-hmm. um, but often doesn't get out of his car, just kind of drives by looks around and then he goes on to the next place he patrols so it wasn't actually the the police the police they don't pay any attention around there uh like police were passing by every 10 minutes which you know we knew about because we had lookouts yet they don't stop they don't get out of their cars it was the security guard who um noticed something was happening and decided to call the police yeah but it was like really mainly because too many people arrived at the same time. And that's why you guys had um, time frames on the tickets. Exactly. But okay. what we should have done is have multiple, like more than two, mm. to really have a better control on arrival time. Yeah. Um, but because it was the weekend, the night of the, the night, uh, the time change. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. Uh, that is true. Like, <laughs> yeah. They would have screwed with people's... It, yeah. like, everyone understood. would have been really confused. That is so true. So we were night. like... Let's not ask anything specific after 12.30 because it's just going to get confusing. Make it a mess, yeah. But we really should have done that. So, like, we should have done it on another night with no time change, basically. (laughs) You know what? Maybe. I mean, I've never thrown a party, so I'm saying maybe. (laughs) But I do have a question because... Another, I'm asking so many questions, but I just want f- to fully understand because I did the show last week, and like I said, you guys should have been there. Mm. So now I'm giving you the space and also myself the space to ask the questions I should have asked you in person. But when it comes to the pickup spot, because you mentioned the pickup spot, but it's my understanding based on once again the messages that I got that some people were at the spot with 
no pickup itself? Like, was it because the people were not on their shit? The people that came and helped and everything? It's because too many people arrived. There was at too the many people time. at once. Okay. And we, we should have had more people at the canal, mm. honestly. Well, and, and then I think I think there were some people who were arriving yeah. after uh, there were already police that were in front of the building. There was like a mm. 20 to a, a 20 minute period where the police were in front of the building mm. and we knew that. So all the escorts stopped moving, stopped picking people up okay. because we were like, well, we can't bring people into the building because there's police in front attention. of the building. Yeah. Exactly. And mm. we had like turned off the music inside and we're just like waiting until we see, okay, are the police going to drive away or are they going to try and come inside? Yeah, I saw the videos. Some people were taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> It seemed nice. fun at the canal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After 1 a.m., we stopped bringing people in, which is why there were just so many people arriving at the canal because there was no there was nowhere else for them to go yeah, so. yeah, yeah. you're gonna say something sunny no i i was gonna say that honestly i wish there was like a behind the scene documentary yeah. of this whole i i would have been a watcher <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would have watched that documentary oh it was interesting throughout like like nick said we literally built a venue inside mm. of this warehouse and like Yeah, I think that like logistically, you can still go see it. Yeah, well, I think. I mean, <laughs> like fingers crossed that like maybe we're gonna like try and do something again. Yeah, but, like should. we're gonna see. Like I think that like just the the problem of like trying to host like four like three three hundred people yeah. in this spot and with that amount of risk is like you're bound to run into like some risks uh, like a high chance of getting shut down no matter how prepared we are like of course we can do like some bank robbery type preparation like <laughs> really like deep like separate cars even, yeah, yeah. you know like the whole situation really dropping yeah. people off in cars and mm -hmm. like all this but like you do have like, to pay these people yeah, yeah but still like the risk is the the, the truth about it is like anybody can at any time mm -hmm. walk past and like hear music or generators or what, whatever all the else. time yeah. yeah so i think like the bigger issue at play is like like We're, we're like experimenting something that's mm -hmm. like different than what we had seen so far in the scene. Yeah. And I don't think that we like have any regrets about trying it out. Now we have to pay consequences. Like there's refunds going to happen. There's been a whole email to, you know, like with uh, taking here. accountability of like things that happen and like offering refunds. And it's like a whole process we have to figure out because like with the Nick and Emma, like the margin of profit after paying everybody else, like in proportionately to the work that was done, it's not like it's not that much money. Mm -hmm. And so like refunding people is like, oh, like it's going to get us like, it's yeah. going to hit us pretty hard. And now like the question is like, we we can like we learn from our like we in this i feel like in montreal we can kind of like learn from each other's mistakes mm -hmm. oh for sure yeah. so you go to a party get shut down you know everybody has an idea of like ah oh, what i would have done differently you know yeah. so i think it's really good that we share these ideas and mm -hmm. talk about what we can do or if we should even do them like mm. you know like should we even try doing these kinds of like expensive ticket event i What do you think? Me, I think, honestly, I think, yeah, because like I said then last week, the $50 thing was one thing, but honestly, I've, without putting myself in hot water, I go to places. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't always usually be able to get with a DJ. Mm -hmm. I get with a DJ that's on the lineup. I get with somebody that has a ticket from me or something. So the $50 itself, plus I was financially good. So let's say I had the money that week, I would have went if I wasn't working. But I think what people were really having a hard time understanding was 
just like in the title, the transparency thing. Because mm-hmm. I know for a while it was like, um, I don't know if you guys were on social media, like, oh, we already have a caller. Uh, you people at home know the deal. I'm doing my best, so stay on the line. <laughs> One, and then we go on phone patch. I raise the volume. I put it on. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you so well, and I'm getting better at this. I love it. Go ahead, sister. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm glad this conversation is happening. First of all, it's Sayana. Hey, Sayana. I'm glad it's happening. I think it's a great conversation to have. Yeah. I just had a couple, like, questions, add-ons mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask. Go ahead. Because my thing is, um, again, I think the idea itself or <clears throat> the concept is an amazing concept. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. And like y'all mentioned, there is a lack of space. There is a lack of resources to throw nightlife events. My thing where I have a little bit more problem Mm. is just the the accountability that I think is not taken on the part of the organization. And and what I mean by that is really not to be mean or anything. Mm. It's just that I think these conversations of worrying about the police and the safety of the event were brought like in a discussion before the event even happened. Yeah. And um, it's not necessarily even people that have bought tickets that didn't get to go in that are mad. I think, in generally, from my perspective, mm. um, I was offered to go to the party or whatever, and it was not a money situation or anything. It's just that, I think, security-wise, with police and everything, I understand that any party can get shut down. And we've been to, like, you know, illegal parties and everything. For years, my yeah. thing is, in that situation, the, first of it was just, logistically i knew the police was going to show up even before it happened because of where it's situated and actually the the the, the um, how can you say that um in, during the pandemic yeah we we had no place to party there was no place yeah so it made a little bit more sense to throw bigger risk parties because there was no actual thing uh to throw events like these mm-hmm. your question should we do bigger parties like these i think it's it's fine to do uh parties where the price tickets are higher and stuff like that mm-hmm. and even that you know you are you offer the pay what you can my point comes back to when someone pays a high ticket fee you want to guarantee them that they can party and mm-hmm. again there's risk to that for the cops all the time mm-hmm. my thing is in that it was already a discussion before the party even happened that, listen, are you sure this is a safe event? Are you sure this is a safe space? Because no shade, I think the reason that y'all were let off so easy is because of white privilege. I have so many experiences and other people around me that have hot tickets, that have uh, court cases, that have all of these things relating to the police and nightlife. And sometimes it's not even about organizing an, an, an event. I've had tickets and and... Um, stuff in my cases because I was just present and being a DJ somewhere. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it brings me back to what is safety and how are we thinking about it and is it too much in a perspective of, okay, I'm safe because no shade, before that party I knew the cops would pull up because it is too high of a risk especially when there's clubs open and everything and there is the possibility of throwing bigger raves with bigger tickets uh, that are more expensive, maybe, yeah. but to guarantee a safety. And again, I just want to say that it's a beautiful idea, and I wish we lived in a city that allowed us to do stuff like that mm. and to go above and beyond. It's just, moi, I'm like, the, the, 
the risk of doing all these logistical things and to throw a party for then having the big chance of it being shut down, it was kind of like you could see it before that it could have happened. And the fact that, you know, now I know it hurts y'all. It's hurt the pockets of everyone to do reimbursement because now you spent a lot from your own pocket. But at the same time, that should have been um, something that you would have thought about before because throwing an event like this, it can easily be shut down. So I'm just saying that crying now is kind of like useless because we had these conversations before it happened. And quite frankly, y'all should have kind of like, you know, known in advance that you probably would have to do reimbursement because it would be shut down. That's all I have Mm -hmm. to say. Um, I'll listen to what you have to say back. Um, and I'm always open to discussions. What I, when I was on the uh, episode last week, it was not for shade. It was, again, to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tune back in on the radio and uh, hear what y'all have to say. Did you guys have anything to say directly or we can just... Well, I want to say to Sayana, thank you. This mm-hmm. is like a really thoughtful yeah. comment. And like I recognize like so so many good points about what you say and like i've thought about something like after after the event that i hadn't thought about like in the preparation of the event um it's that like we kind of like we built a venue but we kind of crowdfunded that project with with the price of the ticket sorry the price of the ticket being high was like almost like a crowdfunding of a creation of a venue. But like typically, if you were to create a venue, even if it's a new venue that just opens, the price of the ticket for the event is a normal price, mm. like normal event price, but, uh, right? Again, I just want to repeat that a club that opens and that charge that ticket has everything in place for you to actually party all night. My point, again, is that it's not about the price of the tickets because price of tickets can be high mm-hmm. if there's a high budget, like you said. It's more, can you actually guarantee a party? And my thing is, if everyone had agreed, there was no one saying anything, and everyone paid $50 and was fully in this, Mm -hmm. it would have been a different story. The fact that it was a conversation before that was had with the people organizing the party, and it was like, hey, y'all, I know y'all are throwing this. Do you think this is a good idea? What is going to happen when actually it's going to happen? Because Mm y'all were... By the canal de la Chine, and even though maybe y'all interacted with the cops or whatever, like that does not guarantee you that they're not going to pull up, you know? For sure. And again, great idea. I'm just saying that often if you want to do something like this, like maybe pull the extra step and, and rent a venue mm-hmm. or try to contact the owner. Or And now I'm glad to know that y'all have like a good relationship with security guard. It's again just... Um, yeah, once, once someone approaches a problem, especially local people, me, it's, when I saw the location, I knew exactly what it would be like, just because it's, it's Griffintown, there's condos, it's like Billimar, there's condos around. Mm. It's not the same area of like just those abandoned factories. Unfortunately, this is not a reality in Montreal. Anyways, I don't want to take too much time, so um, yeah, that's all I have to say. All right, thank you, love. I'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Yeah, I think that like the the risk analysis of this type of project because it's like so big, it's like so important, and I think that what Sayana brings up is like it's it's like a lesson for all like illegal rave organizers. It's like as much as we're trying to motivate ourselves to like get a project to its end and like fulfill like the vision that we're doing, like it's really important to 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 simulate what would be the the worst case scenario, and not just like from a from a like 
a financial perspective but like from a, like a community perspective like people that pay for these events and like show up like of course i want i would like to have guarantee that i can dance all night if i'm if i'm paying 40 50 dollars like mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. you know um and i think that maybe like in the future we'll try just different methods of, of outreach with people and like transparency yeah. so like for example like the event doesn't have to be that expensive i think like finding a sweet spot like half of that price and then and then having them like consent like very explicitly that like for example like as they're about to pay for their ticket mm -hmm. like i i accept i i consent that this event might get shut down yeah you know i consent that this event is in a, a not perfectly sanitary location mm -hmm. there are risk of safety yeah. there are risk of like yeah there's like no bathrooms and stuff we, we can't have to make makeshift Uh, pots and stuff. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just, you know, we have all jokes. I just throw out about it. Yeah, but like I think it's the just like the key is just that we establish a relationship with the dancers that is already like transparent, mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. if shit hits the fan and everybody ends up walking on a <laughs> on the side of the canal, like bummed out to be shut down, at least they know it that was, it was like yeah. it was part of the whole deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like yeah, like you said, um, a relationship of transparency with the, because it was one of the things that was brought in the main conversation was a lot of people felt like it was a community community driven event, as you said, but they didn't feel that the community was included, whether it was in the actual um, attendees, I love that mm -hmm. word, attendees, or just like on a transparent level, because people really felt like it was a community event made for people that could a afford it, and that's it. Yeah, people really felt, I know a lot of people felt like they were, I wouldn't say outcast, because that's not quite the word I'm looking for, but they were like, mm -hmm. they, they were made to feel like, well, since you can't pay that $50, you might as well just stay home. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of people mm -hmm. felt about the situation. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. we're not happy with that. I know. And, uh, mm -hmm. well, the main thing we, we should have done is not book an international headliner. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys saw the budget, you can, like, you see, like, there's an obvious difference in artist fees between uh, our local artists and the headliner. Um, was there so only one international um, DJ or was there more? Well, there was, uh, like... There was one DJ that we booked with through their agent. Yeah. Uh, which means... No, I have you know, an agent, agent. They'll, they'll get the money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my agent, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> we love agents. And the other, there was another one, uh, uh, Sabalik, a friend from New York, mm -hmm. that is, uh, like, a great DJ and new, new to the, the scene in New York. And, and we basically, we paid their, like, what they paid probably in gas and car and yeah. a small fee on top of that. Just to make them even for make it even for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said, because like I said last week also, if there's another Banshee, if it's, I always work on on Sundays, but I'll, I'm also always, <laughs> I don't even know, I'm pretending that work keeps me from going anywhere. However, if there is another Banshee, I know for example, I know for myself I'll be there because I can't talk about something without going. Mm -hmm. If you were to do another Banshee, After everything that went down and all the conversations, what is that the one outside of transparency? Is there one thing that, because I know, for example, people were when they saw, because you guys um, released the budget as a transparency act, which is very appreciated by a lot of people, myself included. Even though I was not part of people that pay for the tickets, it just felt nice to see that there was no, there was no hangups of just showing people what happened and how it went down. 
And that's something that I know my listeners and the people that are just tuning in to, you know, some people are tuning in because they love tea. <laughs> you know, that's the way the world is. That's how I make money. But I know a lot of people felt like um, they were just very happy to see that this transparent act was made. But if you were to make another banshee, let's say next week, outside of the transparency, because I know some people were asking about the DJs and stuff like that, how, what would you be doing differently if there was something that she would be doing differently, letting people know at home? <clears throat> outside of transparency because we understand that how you you know you learn from there and everything well i i would i want to add one thing about transparency but yeah. uh transparency not towards the the public but actually transparency uh towards the djs for example and the people mm. who are involved yes yeah. um DJs especially yeah so um i think this is part of a bigger discussion i want to have about the role of djs in uh in our diy rave culture mm-hmm. um and so, like, you know, we, because we knew all the risks of this event, um, we had, uh, when we asked all the local DJs that they uh, wanted to play, we said we are able to okay. offer $150 as a minimum because, like, we don't know if we're going to be able to pay you more. And we said, hopefully, if this goes well, we can pay you all more mm-hmm. like you know we'll sell we'll be selling alcohol and obviously like that's where you make even more profit than just selling tickets yeah. um and that wasn't i don't think that was maybe community understood by all of the djs also because some of the djs were booked by sammy um and not by us mm. um so that's one thing we'd um do differently yeah, I think there's stuff like on the internal level that we mm-hmm. could have done differently. But I think like for me, if I were to do another event next week, I'd just like find a perfect recipe, you know, perfect mm. balance. Like it's like when you cook, you know, you don't want to add like too much of this or not enough of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do as much. So Definitely. I would save money here and there. Top, 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 top. Yeah. And I wouldn't make the price to take it as expensive and make it more transparent that it's like might get shut down. Yeah. I'd work on our like escort plan, our mm-hmm. whole like strat- security strategy. Yeah. I'd increase the safety. Yeah. I would increase the. Um, uh, yeah, like I think it, that basically <laughs> it's like price, security, safety, accessibility, and the, the scale of it, and the scale. Yeah, yeah like reduce a little bit because now now what's nice is like we kind of already started the work, so there's a lot of work that we don't need yeah, to do anymore. Yeah, the foundation has been laid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we were to go back, it's mm. like, oh, okay, we like built a, we built yeah. a bar. Like, <laughs> it's like so clean right I now and see. stuff. <laughs> so it's like, we moved some park benches. So, yeah. so it's like, we don't need to pay uh, each, each like person as much also. So they're like, in terms of like organizer or you like organize? supervisor yeah, okay. or, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, can be more, it can be scaled down. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that because, like you said, I love that you pointed out um, you precise organizers as people. Because I'm um, shout out to, oh, we have another call. As I'm putting in your, putting you on the line, because I do know what I'm doing now. But I'll say this one thing. I also want to say shout out to Mr. Lou as part of the DJs of the lineup. That day. are you already online? Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm going so good at this shit. <laughs> I don't even be looking at what I do. Hey, baby, what's good? <laughs> Hi. Um, I just have a question to organize and a comment, like mm. a positive one as well. I just want to say that, like, a couple years ago, when we had, like, illegal parties that were, like, happening during COVID, 
that were like impromptu, like day of. Yeah. I thought the strategy of SMS was more effective and just mm. like under the radar as opposed to posting online like Instagram. Yeah. So I just think that I have a bit of like nostalgia for that and like mm. the way things just kind of came together last minute, like no frills, just like locals coming together and yeah. things just felt. SMS, that is really a, like, yeah. I didn't quite yeah. understand. Yes, love. I think there's some sound or some noise around you, if you and you're probably doing your best. Oh, there so. is. Oh, okay. did you have something uh, else to say, or can yeah. I? Uh, um, I just like also wanted to say, like, in the future, would you still have that many like art installations and DJs, like something on that larger scale, or would you narrow it down to make it smaller and yeah, less? Yeah. Less less of like a huge production scale in case something were to get shut down. I think for Banshee, we were, um, I think, assured by the fact that there had been some successful, there had been three successful parties at that venue this summer. Uh, One that I did that had 200 people there. So we thought, okay, let's like increase the security measures and we can double the capacity. That didn't pan out. Mm. Um, To respond to your other point, which was about um, having a a better way of being in constant communication uh, with attendees, I will point out that we did not post on Instagram. There was actually, I mean, besides some promotion that was done on our personal Instagrams Mm. and on the Instagrams of the DJs, we actually had a website where all the information was posted, and then only the people who received uh, who paid for a ticket, received the information for how to arrive and how to behave and how to dress uh, for this event. And um, then one thing we definitely could have done better is also create, say, a telegram chat so that we could relay information the day of and yeah. say, mm-hmm. oh, actually, this is shut down because you know, in the chaos that happened after being shut down, we weren't able to send an email to all the ticket holders. And I think there were many people who were arriving in the next few hours at the meetup spot just yeah. to see a huge group of people frustrated and waiting yeah. to go in. People are getting ready, yeah. Yeah, weren't able to text them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you have anything else okay. to add? Uh, no, I just like but, wanted to hear but, about that stuff directly. Okay, and Sammy has something to add I on can, to. Go ahead. And to answer, like, if we were to do another Banshee, like, I think that it's a hard question to answer because we have, we're, like, still kind of, like, processing what happened. Yeah. But, like, I personally am super down <laughs> to do another event, but uh, we'd have to, like, yeah, like, reconfigure some of the, like, the you know, the, the strategies and the approach and the scale. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure we can just, like, make it so that yeah. We're good, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know if you heard uh, that last part. Did you hear the last part? I, heard, I didn't hear the very last part, but yeah, I think I, I can like, listen back to it. But yeah, basically just like re uh, make a new plan for it, but try to try to provide the same kind of immersive experience, yeah. but like just different more balanced on a smaller more balance yeah 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 but thank you so much for your phone call i think i have another one so i'll put you on up but thank you and i'll talk to you soon (laughs) all right second caller hello hello yes what's up tell me something good and i'll tell you something Uh better (laughs) yeah i'm hoping to talk about this party that's what we're talking about go ahead baby (laughs) 
Hello? Okay, sorry, I was, yeah. So I'm on air, eh? Y- yes, yes, you are, very much. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> I saw the party, like, a friend sent it to me yeah. a few weeks before, and I was kind of like, uh, who the hell is charging $50 to go party in an abandoned warehouse as mm. someone who, like, has also organized parties there mm. for free? And that, same ra- and that same warehouse? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, it just seemed, like, excessive, mm. you know, because, like, if $50 is out of reach for most people, I would say, like, I don't know, none of my friends are paying $50 to go party, especially for a party that might not last more than a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and also now just listening to this, it seems like, I don't know, it's also just blowing up the spot for other people, like, for people to be talking publicly about this thing and to be like you know posting about it on social media like you're not the only people who use this spot to do things um and i just wonder like what the ethics are like what your ethics are of like trying to keep things underground so other people can also use them you know what i mean because that's a really good now like more and more people know about it Mm. and the cops you know i mean the cops have shut down parties there before but it's just Mm -hmm. at some point it will become unusable just because people like y'all are for, I mean, just blowing up the spot for lack of a better term, you know? Well, that's the thing about Montreal. It's like, like we're all, I think we're fight, we're all fighting against the same thing, whether you're doing free parties there or we're not doing free parties. We're like suffering from the same precarity and lack of spaces. So we get like we're all trying to find creative solutions to that, and I think the ethical question is actually a very good point, and like it's a whole other mm-hmm. conversation that we need to have. Um, but yeah, it's like we don't want to like gentrify illegal spots until they get <laughs> shut down for everybody. Mm. I mean, my, yeah. like there, there will always be more abandoned spots. Um, I also will add that this building is getting torn down in the spring, so What? it is yeah. done. Hopefully not, but yeah. Uh, sure. um, And um, and also to respond to your other point about your your free party mystery caller, um, I have I have thrown I have thrown my share of free parties. I have lost plenty of money and spent plenty of energy doing parties that are just outdoors. You bring some speakers, and no shade, but your party that was there, it was just a sound system and like two fairy lights around the pillar. Um, I, I like I, I know what your party was there, and we put we just did a lot more to the space that involved a lot more people spending a lot more hours. Um, so we were creating a different experience, and for the people who just want to go to a free party, then that's not who that's not the experience that we're creating for people. There will be other like little free parties that it's just a sound system mm-hmm. somewhere. So you're just trying to throw parties for people who can afford fifty dollars. So like, I have never, and then charge people a fifteen dollars surcharge if they don't get their own time. This is for people with with money, I guess. So I have. This is my first time ever charging forty slash fifty. One third of the tickets were sold at forty dollars. I have never. I have never uh, thrown a party with a ticket price this high. But I've also never thrown a party that involved this many people that I wanted to pay. And also in other parties, I it's. Uh, required the help of many many people who 
weren't getting paid because there was no money coming in from the people who were just, you know, especially if you're not selling, if it's just a BYOB party, there's no way to make money. So you're just doing it for the love of the party. And I do most of what I do for the love of the party, but sometimes I also <laughs> want to try and pay myself for creating party experiences. I just want to pivot a bit to like the experience of being locked in there by you guys. When the cops came, I think there was a lot of weird communication, possibly like lying from the organizers when people I knew and other people were trying to get information about if the cops were inside, what the plan was, if like people were going to open the doors, where the exits were. And I think a lot of those questions were not really answered truthfully. I think people were trying to like calm the situation and that was done by like ignoring people's requests for more information. And I think, you know, once the cops are there, the cops are going to come in. They're not just going to go away. Like they know something is going on and to like, to not let people leave and to not make clear where the exits are. Like is just greatly disgusting. Like mm, people were blocking the door. No, People were trying to leave and there were people who were barricading the door and not letting people go, which is just the least safe thing. Like, you need to just take responsibility as organizers. Just to pin, let people just, leave if they want to leave, just to pin, and then deal with my the love, consequences. My love, my love, my love. Just to, I'm not stopping you. It's just that there was other callers also, but it's not. I'm not stopping you either. The person stopped calling, but don't stop calling. Maybe stay on the line. I'm telling you. I, I now just, you go ahead. I just want to answer. Like in a couple seconds, there was a moment of chaos when the cops arrived. Hmm. There was like a, a few minutes of chaos, and in it the was moment, like 20 minutes of chaos. Yeah, like, it's a huge venue, like, it takes uh, t- 10 minutes to walk across it. Like, yeah, it took 20 minutes or so. The cops didn't, the cops, the cops didn't like, uh, shut down all of the... There were there are three clubs in this one venue. There were three dance floors. And so it took a bit of time to coordinate even what was going on. So, yeah, there was a bit of chaos, and I, I'd like to, uh, you know, on behalf of the team, apologize if, if, it, yeah. if people were uh, made... Uh, uh, to feel unsafe in those circumstances. You just can't lock people in. That's just unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. Understood. All right. Why are you guys always stopping to call? Thank you, baby. I'll talk to you soon. And thank you for calling us, Miss Chris. All right, now. That was one hell of a call. But whoever was trying to call afterwards, you know I'm always next to the panel. I'm doing my best. So I'm going... Thank you. Look at this. Hey, what's up, baby? Tell me something good. I'll tell you something better. You're going to have to speak closer to your microphone or to your phone. Hello. Yes. Hi. Hi, baby. What's going on? Uh, how are you? I'm really good. What about you? I am alive. I'm alive. I, I love to hear that. Yes. <laughs> um, am I on the line? Always on air and on the line. Perfect. Well, hello. It's Willow. I oh, call. Hello. Um, hi. Um, I called firstly to say um, thank you for having this conversation. I think that it's important just as much for the the community to speak out when we see things that are not uh, not that bring us questions to speak out on that. But I also mm-hmm. think it's important for organizers to have an opportunity to respond. Mm-hmm. I myself have organized many a rave in mm-hmm. my day. And I know that it's chaos, and I know that it's difficult. And I was certainly someone speaking at least relatively openly to my close friends and 
and like vaguely on my social media about the situation that I just thought that this rave was a little bit ridiculous. But I think in hearing the organizers, you know, explain certain things or offer transparency, I almost wish that that had happened before because I think that when we invite the community in to have conversations about the projects that we want to put on, people feel more included and they feel more willing to spend that money. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily bonkers to put $50 for a ticket if that's what you're selling. If you're selling, you know, I heard some people call it a mini festival, you know, that's all good and great, but I don't think it was marketed as such. And so I think people see that and just see the the inaccessible nature of the price and think this is not for me and feel pushed out. And that's where, I mean, I know I have a full-time nine to five. I cannot afford $50 on a raise and I'm not in a precarious situation. And it just made my heart hurt for the people who like rely on raves but can't afford $50. And I think that, you know, part of the conversation should be like, how do we as organizers make our events not only accessible, but also create transparency about like, this is why the tickets cost this much. And this is what we're trying to do. And also responding to the local climate of like what the community can handle. I think someone, someone definitely said this last week and it was like a huge light bulb moment for me. My apologies for not remembering who said it, Mm. but someone was like, you know, like responding to what the community can withhold and what we can give back to organizers and really taking that, seriously because right now Montreal just doesn't seem like it's in a place to spend $50 on raves Mm -hmm. and I just don't want organizers to be deterred from thinking ambitiously. I think as a community we just need to figure out how to sustainably like create these events and create these visions because right now what we're doing clearly isn't working if that makes sense and I think you know that's unfortunate that right now it's not working but you know, I have climbed over fences and gone through bushes and taken trains and valleys and horses to get to raise before. <laughs> I don't Not necessarily think, like, like, I mean, you know, we've all been to the raves in the Indeed. summer where we were literally going into abandoned horse tracks. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yes, this is, like, what I'm doing on my weekend. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that there isn't an appetite for it. Yeah. And, you know, when we're speaking as organizers as being, like, putting disclaimers before people buy tickets like there won't be bathrooms like there are people in the community who are down for the chaos but i think cyana also makes a good point of like you know creating an infrastructure that can ensure that when people spend money that like they know where that money is going Mm -hmm. and they know what they're paying for and finding that balance with also like organizers who want to do things that are wild and out of this world and, you know, larger than life. And how do we find that balance so that we're not getting to, you know, Twitter where people are, you know, sorry to the organizers, people are dogging y'all on Twitter. And like, that's unfortunate uh... because, because like on one hand, like I can understand it. And on one hand, I empathize with those people. And I am one of those people who's like, I'm not spending $50 on a rave. I can't afford it. But as an organizer, I also know that, I don't think any organizers are in, are out here in our community with like malicious intent. Yeah. I don't think we're, you know, all like cops and landlords. I just think that after the pandemic, we're ha- really having to rebuild that trust with each other yeah. and figure out how to do this sustainably. And Thank that is you. the end of my 
my pulpit speech. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Willow Love. I'll talk to you soon, and thank you for calling. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Of course. And to the, oh, to the, there we go, another caller. My God, you guys are busy. Ask Miss Chris, tell me something good. Yes, you are. Oh, there, my baby. goodness. Hello. I got in. It is moi, Mimi Virus. The one and only Hello. Mimi Virus. What's going on, baby? Yes. Talk to us. Hi. Hi. Um, well, you know, I, I love um, this episode, and, you know, I'm really glad to share, you know, everything about the event. Obviously, I was on the show last week, mm-hmm. and, you know, first of all, just wanted to say, you know, Full props, or you know, props to you guys for the spirit of wanting to do the events that you do, and um, you know, I've organized events, mm-hmm. um, even illegal events or illegal raids. So I definitely understand that it is a lot of work, and um, you know, I, I understand the spirit wanting to do something grand and something interesting. Um, I just wanted to suggest some things because, I mean, these were things that I'm looking into also is um, grants or events. Um, you know, there's different grants out there. I think Jose Desal de Montreal, for example, has grants that um, people can apply to to run events. And, you know, I think that what you were saying earlier, of course, I mean, every organizer wants to get paid. Um, you know, I definitely do most of the time, but at the same time, I think there's definitely a balance to be struck on. You know, you want to make something that's accessible, and if you're going to make it $50, there's definitely events that are $50, but yeah, you know, having... Um, I think it'd be a really a fifty dollars chance with you know with at least a bathroom and different things like that. And, you know, I love the spirit of, you know, having yard installations and different things. But I think um grants are a great way to make these types of if you wanna make those grand events but also still make it um accessible to people. I think that's a really great way to kind of strike that balance where, you know, you as organizers or people who work on the events are also getting paid, but at the same time, you don't have to make the event extraordinarily. I mean, it's not extraordinarily expensive, but, you know, I mean, there are events that I've seen that are $50, but there's also really major events that aren't that much. Um, I understand. You know, so so I think it's definitely about a balance. Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, you know, I just want to say, like, I love the really experimental events. Or, I mean, um, Mimi Barris, I love to, one of my, I used the EP release. I had all kinds of art and installations and stuff. But, you know, I think also... Let's, I, I would hope that we would not shade the events that, you know, have a little less uh, glam or a little less, mm-hmm. you know, installation vibe. Because I do think at the end of the day, like, my favorite event, hands down, it comes to the music, it comes to the vibe. I love visuals. I love, you know, a glam 
vibe or some kind of something different, but, you know, the music, I think, is... Uh, Thank you, Mimi. For me, No, for sure. Sammy, did you have something to answer? Or? Yeah, I agree with that, Mimi. I think that there's no uh, good way or better way to do events. Like, it's not about uh, bigger, bigger, bigger. And, mm. like, that's that would be a problem to think that we need to absolutely do these big, like, big budget productions to be interesting. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I'm... I've been talking to a lot of people since that event and like reading a lot of uh, different things and like thinking of my own personal best experiences on dance floors and on raves. And I think that like, like th what's really important is like, is how much joy can you get out of, out of each minute that you're on a dance floor and how you achieve that is doesn't doesn't matter if you're putting uh, big installations or not, but you can, you can try that. That, that can be, that can be your, your concept your approach like yeah. and it's fine you know there's room for everything and uh like i really encourage people to like to who are like curious to try organizing event to do it it's like it's really fun to yeah. organize events it's i really mean i nice. have for sure but you know i'm i mean i'm i'm just you know offering different suggestions of how Ooh. it could maybe be more accessible um, 100% mm -hmm. but I'm also here to offer the time to people <laughs> and there's only two minutes left so maybe I'm sorry to have to cut you off but thank yes. you for the insight thank you so much thank you and I'll have you on the show very soon love I know the you. listeners love Miss Virus <laughs> I'll talk to you soon bye. baby bye so as we have two minutes left oh Tarek you wanted to say something a question well Tarek has a question your mic is on go ahead hi um Okay, yeah, like, back to maybe when Sammy was asking if we should throw $50 events, I don't think it's necessarily about, like, the price, because I think you can create amazing things and people will feel that it's worth spending on. Yeah. Um, but I think, at least for me, what I, I thought was kind of weird, or what I just questioned in general, um, was that the local DJs were paid so little and some of them had to or that some you guys had to negotiate their rate and yeah I just want to know if I'm spending that much money that I'm at least supporting mm -hmm. your friends yes. and the people yeah. totally of course I I uh, one thing I really wanted um, to try and communicate here is the the big difference between um, what's like parties, raves that happen outside of traditional venues that require so much more work and so many more people than a party at Nouvelle Etablissement, for example, <laughs> where you show up, the only people who are really doing anything, not doing anything, but it's like you're going there for the DJs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at, uh, and, and the price point reflects that. And the DJs actually get paid be better there more. while yeah. um, at the event that we were trying to create... Yeah. We people, our goal was not for people to come for the DJs. It was yeah. to come for the entire experience. And that requires paying way more people who are putting in many more hours than the DJs are putting in. Um, and, of course, their names don't end up on the poster. But yeah. uh, that is, I think, the biggest difference between a DIY rave and a club party. And, mm. and I think that like for our event like conceptually it was so specific that it was almost like marketed as an exhibition more than a rave and so the price reflected mm. that but I think in the end what matters most is like consent transparency 
Just make sure that people get that. If they're paying, that's what they're getting. You know. Uh, oh. You know, guys, I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to. I hope I'm not going to get it up. Well, I guess I'm not going to be doing it. This was Ask Miss Chris, and thank you so much for thank all of you, you Emma, Chris. Nick, Sammy. Of course, my girls, thank Amal, you. in the studio, always keeping me by my side. Miss Tark was on the phone yeah. duty for me today, and she did an amazing job. Yeah. So everybody at home, give a round of applause for Siggy. Yes, thank, thank you. you. I did nothing. <laughs> and on that note, you'll be seeing me, hearing me, next week, same time, same place. I love you all, always. Nice, yeah.